Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, good morning. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12-1 Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to uh, check this podcast out. And um, hey, if you wouldn't mind, um, before we get in here, go on and uh, subscribe or click the like button. And also, if you wouldn't mind going and sharing it on any media platform that you have, whether it be Facebook or YouTube or Instagram, that way we can try to share uh, these podcasts, not, to, not just with ourselves, but with people, Lord willing, around the world. So we're going to get right into it this week. Um, this is piggybacking off of June 7th episode in Acts. Uh, about a week, week and a half ago, I de- kind of derailed a little bit from Acts uh, to talk on when God is in control. And now we are building, we're going back to the book of Acts and Lord willing, we will continue to work our way through chapter by chapter. Um, sometimes even a couple times like we are this week, uh, we're still in Acts chapter two to finish it up. Um, with uh, what's going on in the book of Acts, the history of the book of Acts. Remember, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, is the author of the book of Acts, and he's giving it to Theophilus in order to explain and to help better understand uh, the moving of the church. Um, All that Jesus did inside the church, or ecclesia, or called out ones, as the church went and spread the gospel, circumnavigating the globe. With that being said, we pick up this week, uh, and right after the fact of the uh, Pentecost happening, actually, it's not right after the fact, it's still it's still the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit of God comes on his children as a dove, not a literal dove, and it sets on top of them. God gives them the gift of tongues, aka known different languages, languages that was known. It wasn't gibberish. It wasn't this kind of um, you know, eyes rolling back, running around in their heads and, and, and running around in circles, waving things, blowing on people. They were able to speak in a known language. We studied that out. I don't have the time this week to go back over there. Listen to episode number two of season number two, and you can get the better explanation of that. But this is kind of the details or the events that happened directly after that. If you notice, at the end of chapter, or not the end, but if, when we get to verse 12 uh, and 13, it says, and, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. These men are, are full of new wine, not just some, but full. Like These guys have been drinking a long time, and uh, they are drunk. That was a response. To what was happening. They couldn't explain it, and so they mocked it. They couldn't explain what God was doing, and so and 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 also because probably because of pride, they didn't get they weren't the ones being praised or worshipped. The only thing they could do is mock what was going on or kind of give a negative content to the positive that was going on. And immediately, verses 14, all the way uh really, I'm gonna say. Verse 38, from 14 to 38, is a sermon, Peter's sermon. I would say it's the first preaching of the church. Uh, Now, they weren't in a church building. They weren't gathering on a certain day, so to speak, to um, uh, have a church service. This wasn't a, they already did greeting, their first song, handshake song, and you know the the way that some churches do kind of order service. They, They were just meeting together. They were meeting together. They were having all things in common. Pentecost, 
um, and uh, they were the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. And because of that, Peter had a response to what was going on. And so my first point this morning, kind of, you know, just by way of teaching is combat naysayers, combat confusion, combat negativism with the word of God, with the word of God. I mean, this is what Peter does. He goes in verse 14, Peter says, but Peter standing up in the, in, in, with the 11, up with his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, saying it's but the third hour of the day. Now, the third hour of their day would have been 9 a.m. The first hour was 6 a.m. They got up at 6 a.m. So it's important to understand biblical history and what this was. The third hour of the day, we're not talking about 3 a.m. Their day started at 6. And so they, the third hour, 6, so we got 7, 8, 9. It had been around 9 a.m. He's saying it's only but 9 a.m. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is God's word and the start of what Joel prophesied about. And he goes on to give the word of God, a.k.a. the prophecy of Joel, but which is the word of God. And so my point is, when there are things going on in your life that you see God blessing, inevitably, please know this, there will always be naysayers. There are always going to be people that have a negative content to the positive content going on in your life. That's not um, inherently meaning that you are doing something wrong. In fact, it probably means you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Um, But there are ways of what not to do. There are ways to combat them toe-to-toe with self, with the worldly wisdom, or you can combat it with the truth of God's word. And in fact, if it's a blessing that's being added to your life or whatever the case is, if it's something that you see God doing and that's what we see, the overflow of excitement and joy and just God involvement, then you should be able to turn and point to God and say, hey, this isn't this isn't ma'am or sir or whoever it is or news channel or whatever, next door neighbor or whatever. This, you know, I think you may be confused here. This is what is the direct result of God when his saints live in obedience to him. I mean, there's many of scriptures. I mean, I preached on Psalm 1 not too long ago in in my church. Um, And the direct outpouring of blessings that come from, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His, His leaf shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season. In the middle of that verse, it says, this is all a direct result to somebody who is, has a deep relationship with God in his word. And so when you're in God's word, when you're growing in God's word, when, you're, when, when you are like the psalmist writes about, like a deer or a heart pants for the water, so my heart longeth or yearneth for thee, O God. To get to that point in our life where we are yearning and panting for God, and we are in his word, and the the inevitable outcome of that is blessing by God. And just like we see here at Pentecost, sometimes, and I would argue to say probably a lot of times, you'll have the naysayers, people who, who want to give negative content, kill them with scripture in a nice way. Jesus said this, and I'll move on to the second point I have, when he was kind of making his way through Jerusalem after the upper room with his disciples in John 16, um, or John 15, he said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you. The world loves his own, but 
But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, persecuted me, get this, get this, get this. Listen, they will pers- also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And Jesus was warning his disciples. Hey, boys, listen, I'm going someplace. Basically, I'm going to the cross. But I want you to understand persecution's coming. Uh, trust me. They're going to, the servant's not greater than this Lord. And I'm about to face the utmost persecution. Boys, you're going to face persecution too. And the disciples were not going around as a hate group. The disciples were not going around as a lawless, um, ruining cities, burning cities. They were going around sharing the love of the creator and Jesus Christ, the gospel. And people still hated and persecuted them. And so people will always, you'll always have negative content when there's positive blessings in your life by God. So just expect it. But when it comes, don't, don't, don't get upset. Know that it's there. Know that it's coming. Be prepared for it so you're not caught off guard. And just point at Scripture. Give God the glory. Next thing we notice after this is a call to repentance. After Peter preaches, he's explaining what Joel says, and he's preaching to the people in and who Jesus was. We get down to verse 37 and 38, and it says this, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. The Holy Spirit of God doing what the Holy Spirit of God does. Jesus explaining it in John 14, 15, and 16 about how the Holy Spirit would come and it would convict the world. Here it's happening. And said to, said to Peter and to the rest of my apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? And then Peter responds. Then said Peter unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of the sins. Now this verse has been has been uh, caused a lot of trouble in the past, not in a negative way. I, won't, I don't mean in a negative way, but ma- many people have gotten caught up on verse 38 and the verbiage of the way that it is written out in English and support that this verse is supporting that baptism is part of salvation. So let me read it again. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. But the, for the remission of your sins, you know, depending on the transliteration of what manuscripts that were being used, it actually should be rendered because of the remission of your sins. So this verse isn't saying repent and be baptized to be saved. It's saying repent, meaning turn away from who you are, believe in Christ, and then be baptized because you have been saved or because you have had your sins forgiven or remit or, or your sins have went away or gone back for, for good, meaning remission. They're gone. So it's not that it's a both and. It's not saying you must be you must repent and also be baptized in order to be saved. That phrase is actually because of. And I wish that that was what it would actually be written out. But the point is, is calling people, once you have that negative content that is popping up in your life, point it to Christ, the positive content, meaning this is, hey, man, you may be upset because this is going on in my life, but this is because of the work of God. And in fact, this is what God talks about. And, and hey, do you know God? Well, let me share God with you. Let me share Jesus. Let me share the plan of salvation with you. And then call them to repentance. I believe the gospel message is, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty well spelled out in the book of Acts for, I mean, in the book of Corinthians. And I get this mixed up a couple of times if it's 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians. So let me turn it there. I think it is... Actually, 1 Corinthians. Give me one second. I just want to make sure that that's where I'm at. I think it's chapter 15. 
Yeah, chapter 15, Paul gives a summary of the gospel. And he said, by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And he says this, for I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also receive. This is chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and 4. And he says this, how that Christ died for your sins according to scripture, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to scriptures. And so he's explaining to them the gospel, how Christ died, how Christ was buried, and how Christ resurrected. Now, in order to understand why in the world, we got to explain to them why he had to die, why he had to go to the grave, why he had to be risen. It was because of sin, because of the person's sin, the world's sin. But if you're evangelizing to somebody and you're sharing the gospel, they have to come to an understanding of their sin. And that's why Christ came for their sin. You cannot preaching the gospel or explaining the gospel is not just that Jesus died. In fact, he would go on in this very same chapter to say in verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And he goes on to say, uh, what we say in Santa Jeopardy, and actually in the first verse 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching vain and your faith is in vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ from, uh, raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead in Christ rise not. And what he's explaining here, and in verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. And so if we preach the bloodshed of Jesus Christ, you have not preached properly. You have not proclaimed the true gospel. The gospel is not that Jesus shed his blood. It is not that Jesus just came and lived for you and that God loved you. If you tell somebody Jesus loves you, my church knows this, that if you share Jesus loves you, that is not the gospel. That that is not the totality of the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You must give the full gospel. Yes, God loved them. How? He sent Christ to reverse what the first Adam failed to do. Christ came perfect, sinless, just like the first Adam was created, but however, lived perfectly. Then the Bible tells us that uh, for, the, for, for the wages, for the payment of sin is death. Death meaning spiritual death, but also physical death. Christ came to take on your spiritual death, your sins, to pay for them, but also pay for physical death by dying on the cross for you. And he shed his blood, absolutely. But we also learn that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And if we don't explain the death and the burial and the resurrection, according to Paul, to the first to, to the church at Corinth, then you've yet to preach the gospel. And in fact, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then we don't even have the, actually have a gospel. And so it's important that we remember to give the totality. Somebody cannot get saved unless they hear the gospel. And again, please hear me. The gospel isn't Jesus loves you or Jesus came to die for you. That's partial gospel. If we want somebody to repent of their sins, trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then we must give the totality, the total of the gospel. And that's what Peter did at Pentecost that same day. And then lastly, we also see, come be a part of the church. We actually see this. At the end of this, there were 3,000, in verse 41, 3,000 souls were added. This is uh, Acts chapter two. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3000 souls. So there was originally 120 disciples in the upper room at Pentecost at that, that morning. 
We can read about this in Acts chapter number one. The end of Acts chapter one leaves us with 120 disciples worshiping, praying, and having a time of, of fellowship together. The Holy Spirit comes upon those 120. And so if we take it literal here, there could be more, but just on face value, there's 3,000 plus the original 120. That means 3,120 people in one day got out of 3,000 souls, 3,000 souls. Don't tell me that God is not trying to grow your church if you sit in a city of 500,000, 8,000, 20,000, 40,000. God is about saving souls and adding to his church. Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. And he left us with that same great commission to go to evangelize and disciple. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. We must do the same. And God is willing. God is not uh, slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. But then after this is done, in verses 43 through 47, we see something that is very common throughout the book of Acts. The church got together regularly, and they shared of their life with one another. They became a family. They, When one hurt, they all hurt. When one was praising, they all were praising. They had all things common. They made sure that everybody's needs were met. That's a true church. Yeah, there's tithing. Yeah, there's giving. But there's also a massive, massive family aspect. Let me ask you this question. Are you part of a church? Have you membered yourself together to a church? Are you just faithfully attending, but yet actually membered yourself with the church? Ask yourself that question. Yes, membership is 100% true in Scripture. We know that uh, Paul and Barnabas membered themselves together. And so it's important to understand that they, uh, what is it here? I'm trying to find it for you. Acts chapter, it was Acts chapter number 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. And that phrase, assembled themselves, meaning they became a part of, or they came together, or they joined the church in Antioch for a short period of time so that they could be members and faithfully be a part of it. This is Paul and Barnabas. I mean, sorry, Paul, not, uh, um, sorry, not Paul and Barnabas. Uh, yes, sorry, Paul and Barnabas. Um, going to Antioch. They were sent, first Barnabas was sent to Antioch to make sure that what was happening was literal, that it was an actual act of God. And when he came back with a good report, he took Paul with them. And those two membered themselves together for a whole year. And that's where we learned that Christians were first called Christians there at Antioch. And so let me ask you this one, one more time. Are you a part of a church? And again, are you a member of that church? How does that church to which you've been attending how do they go about having membership? Now, in my church, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking and preach. I'll be preaching on this, but I don't know if your church has, wherever you're listening to, but it is biblical to be a member of a church. Churches these days, I mean, from far as I know, has tried to make it as easy as possible, but there has to be some process of it. And not just everybody off the street can come into a church and proclaim that they are a part of the church and a member of the church. There has to be some process. It's a gray area in scripture. We, we don't have the exact process, but we know that there were people who were not members and somehow became members. And so there are different ways. People have a church vote, the pastor meets with them or whatever the case may be. Um, but we do know that baptism also makes them a part of sometimes being baptized in to, uh, to identify with Christ, but also into a local body of believers. There are different ways and different aspects. 
But regardless, don't get lost up into the legality parts of that. They don't want to be voted on. And you know, I've heard a lot of different stuff like that, unfortunately. In fact, it meant it's a joy. Get in, be a member of the church, and start using the gift that God has gifted you. So when we see the, the, the details that follow the book of, or not the book of Acts, but rather Pentecost, after the, the awesome act of the Holy Spirit of God coming, we see combating negativism, naysayers, with the word of God pointing to Christ, call people to repentance once you have proclaimed the gospel. And then ultimately after this, those 3,000 souls, they immediately membered themselves together and they fellowshiped continuously one with another. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12-1 Podcast. God bless. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12-1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless.